a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. You remember the other night when uh, the presidential candidates got together? Chris Wallace was the so-called moderator. Yeah. I promised you yesterday that we weren't going to look backwards anymore. I'm going to stay true to my word. But uh, based on what happened the other night, uh, we are now looking forward to uh, the two remaining presidential debates with uh, a big question mark lingering over our heads. And first off, actually, it's, it's, it's more than one question mark. The first question is, are these debates even going to happen? Will there be uh, two more presidential debates? Will we be treated <laughs> to something akin to what we saw uh, the other night uh, twice more? I don't know. I sure hope not. I, I hope it learns something <laughs> one of these nights. Next week, the second of the three presidential debates, the format will be uh, very different from what we uh, saw the other night. Instead of uh, you know a single moderator with uh, the two candidates there and an empty room for COVID and all, it will be more of a town hall style event where there, yes, will be a moderator, uh, but the questions for the most part will be posed to the candidates uh, by members there of the audience. It'll be a, a pared down audience, certainly in the name of uh, you know COVID safety, but uh, questions will come at them not uh, exclusively from the moderator, uh, but by participants in this uh, town hall meeting of sorts. Now, that is no guarantee. That is no guarantee that things will improve beyond what happened the other night, and so that leaves uh, the second question. The second question: uh, Should the debate, in fact, happen? Will the Commission on Presidential Debates, uh, as they said yesterday they would, uh, make changes to uh, the format and the rules? Let me pull up here quickly the statement which was made uh, just yesterday by the Commission on Presidential Debates. It reads, uh, the Commission on Presidential Debates sponsors televised debates for the benefit of the American electorate. Last night's debate, now remember this was written yesterday, so the reference of last night is to uh, the night before last. Uh, Last night's debate made clear that additional structure should be added to the format of the remaining debates to ensure a more orderly discussion of the issues. The CPB or CPD, the Commission on Presidential Debates, will be carefully considering the changes that it will adopt and will announce those measures shortly. That's all we know officially. That is all we right know right now uh, have confirmed. Yet uh, CBS News uh, it claims to have a little bit more insight, uh, and some of that insight includes a, a, an assertion that a mute button, uh, in fact, will be enacted. Uh, also, uh, CBS uh, claims that, according to their sources, that the changes uh, will, whatever whatever changes 
come to the the format, the parameters, will be applied only to the presidential debates which remain, meaning that uh, here when the vice presidential uh, candidates come to Utah uh, next week, a week from yesterday, the 7th of October, they will be here uh, debating. Uh, Lucky me, I I get to be up there broadcasting from the University of Utah the day of the debate. Very much looking forward to that. Maybe we'll, if we're lucky, get the candidates on the program. the, the rules will remain as they have been laid out to uh, the various camps right now. Okay? And so that brings us to a, another question. So let's go back to those presidential debates. Uh, if if the rules do change, if the commission wants to change the rules, you would think that the two camps would need to sign off on those changes. Now, the, the, the third thing that CBS has uh, uh, has uncovered they claim to know is that the whatever changes come to the the rules of the debate that there will be no negotiation the campaigns will be informed of the rules but uh, the source the CBS news source said that the rules will not be subject to negotiation uh, President Trump uh, tweeted not that long ago he said why would I allow again this is President Trump why would I allow the debate commission to change the rules for the second and third debates when I easily won last time why would I allow the debate commission to change the rules for the second and third debates when I easily won uh, last time of course claiming victory there uh, but the meat of that tweet is uh, whether or not the president would accept changes to the debate rules for the second and third debates, and if he doesn't, if he doesn't, uh, he uses the word allow. Uh, I think accept is more appropriate. If he doesn't accept the changes to the rules, how far is he prepared to go? Is he prepared to forego uh, the debate? I don't know. I don't think so. I hope not. I hope that there were lessons learned by the two campaigns, particularly the men uh, at the, the forefront of those two campaigns, the candidates themselves. Uh, Rana McDaniel is the chair of the Republican National Committee. She, on Fox this morning, uh, echoed the sentiment of the president. I don't think the commission could make or should make any changes without support of the Trump campaign and the candidates. They agreed to certain parameters. They don't get to change those in the middle of the game, as the campaign has said. So there you have it. There are others who have weighed in on this, including uh, Senator Rand Paul, who was also on Fox, uh, talking about uh, some of his own ideas on how future debates may be handled so as to avoid what we (laughs) to avoid what was inflicted upon us the other night. Senator Rand Paul with his suggestion. I've got a suggestion for the presidential commission, too, if they're listening. Why don't we do a 30 minute interview with each candidate in separate rooms? Don't put them in the same room, but really try to get a little more of an in-depth conversation, challenge them, push them to answer questions, you know, more completely. I I really would rather see a long form interview. I do 30 minutes with each. An hour and a half is frankly too long. Anybody watched an hour and a half that didn't have to, I wonder what was going on, but also I don't think it was that great for the people in the middle, you know, those who are undecided yet. I, you know, I don't think there was a lot that was garnered from last night. That's accurate. I agree with that last part. Now, uh, do do I think that there should be these pre uh, pre recorded interviews? Uh, I, I don't think so. 
I understand where he's going there. I understand that it would allow for a uh, you know a more clearly presented, <laughs> less interruptions, fewer interruptions rather. Uh, I understand uh, his rationale there. Uh, but when you move into something like he just described, you do lose the spirit of the debate. I, I know that spirit was lost the other night, uh, but maybe I'm overly optimistic. I still hope that we can, during this debate season, uh, recapture the spirit of debate. I'm very hopeful that uh, a good example will be set by Mike Pence and Kamala Harris as they debate here in Utah next week. Now, here's a here's another opinion I want to share with you, and this one comes from uh, Chris Wallace. He, uh, just moments ago, was on uh, Fox News with Bill Hemmer, and, uh, and he talked about one of these ideas, specifically the mute button, and whether or not a mute button uh, would have either been beneficial to him or if he thinks it will be beneficial to debates in the future. As far as the rules are concerned, you know... I certainly would like to see a more orderly debate. I'm just not sure that any of the possible changes, take just the, the one that's being talked out about most, uh, and, and that's the idea of cutting off mics. One, in this debate, they, they were only six, eight feet from each other. Even if you had cut off the president's mic, I guess you would still have heard it over Biden's. And in addition, the president still would have been disrupting and distracting Biden. And secondly, we're talking about the president of the United States and the Democratic nominee, you know, they say, well, we're going to give the moderator a button to to mute them. Boy, I don't want to be in the position of saying, you know, I'm going to interpose myself between the president and the public and say, you can't hear what he has to say now. I think that's a pretty tough spot to put any moderator in. What do you think? What do you think? In the next segment, I'm going to open the phone lines. I want to hear from you. The number is 801-575-8255. 801-575-TALK. You can also send a text message in to the Utah Community Credit Union text line. That's 57500. But I would really love to get you on the line. There is debate going on right now amongst the commission of the or the Commission on Presidential Debates. Uh, they yesterday uh, said that within about 48 hours, they would release the the new and updated guidelines to uh, better serve the voting public, the consumers of the uh, debate, you and I, uh, for for the, the final two presidential debates. What do you think should be changed? Should anything be changed? Should we just let them have at each other uh, as they did the other night? You call in, let me know, 801-575-8255. Before we go to break, here is advice given by Chris Wallace on how he thinks uh, the next debate should be handled by the moderator. If I had one piece of advice to give Steve Scully, who's going to be the moderator for that, I would say take the citizens, take the, the, the real people that are going to be there and use them as a shield. So if one, and look, maybe it'll be Biden interrupting Trump this time. If, if you feel it's unruly, say, look, these are real people with real problems. Let them ask their questions and let the other person answer their questions. So I would use the fact that you're talking to real people and it's not just two politicians and a journalist Mm -hmm. uh, as, as an opportunity to try to keep some order. That's the advice from Chris Wallace. Next, after the break, I want your advice here. On KSL News Radio. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. In just a moment, we are going to get to your phone calls. Uh, again, the number if you want to participate in this conversation uh, regarding what might be some effective changes to the debate rules that would better uh, make able you and I to learn from the de- presidential debates, right? Not much learning happened the other night. We have two left to go. Let's see if we can salvage that uh, to the benefit of uh, folks like you and me, the voters. We'll, we'll see what 
what uh, comes of that. Of course, we've heard about the mute button and some other suggestions. I want to hear your suggestions. The number to call is 801-575-8255. Some patient listeners on the line now. We'll get to those calls in just a moment. But I have to share uh, some news that just came across my desk now as the commercial break was transpiring. It comes from Brigham Young University. I want to read to you just a a small portion of an announcement which was just made moments ago uh, by Brigham Young University, and I am sure that we'll be digging into this announcement at greater detail, and you'll learn about it uh, at more depth throughout the day. But uh, Brigham Young University has announced the creation of a BYU security department, which will operate separately from BYU police. This uh, this information coming from Todd Hollingshead of BYU. Uh, it reads, the BYU Security Department will oversee on-campus security for buildings such as the, the MOA, the Museum of Art, the Harold B. Lee Library, as well as campus properties such as the Motion Picture Studio and West Campus. Uh, that's the former Provo High School. Uh, the department will also have responsibility for campus parking. What's that entail? Ten Full-time employees will be brought on to oversee more than 300 student employees. Uh, the the release continues uh, by describing this. BYU security employees will be functioning similarly to employees in private security companies uh, and or non-sworn security personnel, uh, and they make reference to that type of of organization uh, at Notre Dame University, wherein they will have specialized safety training, but they will not have the authority to make arrests like a sworn law enforcement officer. Uh, Reiterating that the relationship between the state-certified police force uh, and and the university will remain, Uh, that police force will stay in place uh, with the authority to make traffic stops, arrests, and file charges with the prosecutor's office. Uh, Interesting stuff. We'll see what it means, uh, and we'll see uh, like what will be the duties of those 10 employees, how, how much does it cost? Uh, we may not find out that, but uh, it's a remarkable announcement. Uh, it's something different, especially after uh, some of the attention that has been paid to the university's police department uh, lately. Anyway, uh, back to the topic at hand. I'm very excited to, to get right to uh, the phone lines. First, uh, caller Deborah from Salt Lake has a suggestion. Deborah, what do you say? Hey, thanks so much, Lee, for taking my call. The thing I have to say is I actually agree with the shutting off the mics, but not to have the the moderator be in charge of it because that will appear subjective. But to have it say, if this is uninterrupted, 30 seconds, two minutes, however long a person has, then you shut the mic off of the other person. That person has their uninterrupted time. And yes, as you said, you might hear some shouting from across the room, but... At least that person can get out what they're going to say, actually address issues, speak in full sentences, and not be interrupted until the other person hopefully recalls what they wanted to say and has that time to say in their own time when their mic is open and the other one is muted. That, that makes sense. I just sense. think that's fair. You, you put the burden on you know? the clock and not on an individual. That, that makes good sense. Deborah, thank you yeah. so much. Uh, Ken from Ogden has a similar view. Ken, what do you say? Oh, I absolutely agree with what Deborah just said. And uh, I wouldn't say it any differently than she said it, but I would say it, I would say this: if you um, if you don't call it um, muting the mic, if you just say we're going to turn on the mic of the person who has okay. the opportunity to speak, it won't sound negative. It'll sound like okay, now it's your turn. We're turning on your mic. Uh, also, I, I think sound technicians could develop a stage setup, a, a booth or something, not not a enclosed booth, but you know, staging so that. You couldn't hear the person across the way yelling 
if uh, they were trying to distract you. Oh, absolutely. Sound dampening uh, shields. There, there's something there yeah. that, that doesn't have to distract yeah. from the setting uh, but can bring about the, the wanted result. Ken, a great suggestion. Uh, moving on to Sebastian from Ogden. Sebastian, what do you say? Hey, um, I am so happy to participate. Thank you for having me. And I am former candidate in Ogden City for mayor in 2015, and I think the best way to avoid the interruption is the microphone. Turn off the microphone to the people are now have the time to present the, the question, to respond to the question, you know. I think that is the best way to avoid interruption, especially when somebody is not respectful. I don't have that problem with Mike Cowell, the mayor, because both we was really respectful, each right. one, you know. Yeah, no, I, I I remember that debate, as a matter of fact, and uh, I was reminded of that level of respect uh, that it's possible when, uh, you know, Spencer Cox uh, and Chris Peterson, the Democratic nominee for governor of the state here of Utah, uh, immediately preceding the presidential debate of the other night, uh, were able to conduct a respectful, informative debate where they were uh, conscientious of time, they were respectful of the moderator, KSL's own Doug Wright, and uh, most importantly, of one another, which in turn equates to respect for the, the viewer, the audience, the voter. It's an important thing. And uh, it's a little unfortunate that we have to be scrambling to figure out some rules uh, to rein in uh, the, the characters involved so that the voters can actually enjoy and be benefited uh, by what is put on display. Uh, traveling south to Orem, Cole, sir, what do you say? Uh, I appreciate the the discussion, but Lee, I, I'm afraid we're asking the wrong question. I mean, the the problem is not shutting off mics and sound dampening and whatnot. I mean, these these two candidates are not adults. I mean, they're adults, but they're not acting like adults. Mm-hmm. Like, why why don't we get two two men or two women up here who can act like adults and talk about the issues? Like the the fact that Americans think that they only have a choice between these two these two old white guys who are acting like children is is the real issue here it's not it's not the format it's that there aren't people here on the stage who can handle not interrupting people like like my 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 5-year-old nephew is learning how to not yeah. do that like <laughs> How can these how can these guys not handle it? I, I hear you alluding to say the inclusion of a, of a third party in a debate like this, or the elevation uh, of a, of a third party. How do you how do you bring that about? Um, I I don't know. That's the problem. Is I don't know how to do it. Like like I it's it's just silly to me that Americans think that that these are their two options when there's not. And uh, I don't know. It's it seems like it's just kind of a popularity contest instead of people voting for who's who's going to do the right thing yeah uh cole thank you so much for the the call uh final call before we take uh, the final break of the day it's david from magna david sir uh, what do you think about this all lee i think you're doing a great job of pretending to be objective while carrying out your orders to slam trump it's obvious <laughs> that you've received directive from station management to be anti-trump just like you your station was in 2016. Total fake news. Nah. This is why everybody hates. 
Nah, David, you're off base there. Uh, I get my marching orders from myself and myself only, and I inform those marching orders by what I see and what I observe. And what I observed the other night uh, was a debacle. Uh, Now, was it all Trump's fault? No. Was it all Joe Biden's fault? No. Was it all Chris Wallace's fault? No. But the combination of all of their actions equated to a failure to serve the American people. And what we are discussing now here and what has uh, been discussed for now a whole day and we will look forward to tomorrow a decision by the commission on presidential debates is how can we adjust how can we adjust the parameters so that the american people the voters can best be served that's where i get my marching orders no one else quick break when we return we're going to talk about something known as road schooling so many kids right now doing the distance learning what if we just pack them up in the car and learn as we travel around the united states we'll talk to a family doing exactly that next on Live Mike, I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office to meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.